Praise the Lord, everybody. <clears throat> Look to the person next to you and just thank God for them. Just say, I thank God for you. I'll say it like you mean it. Come on. <clears throat> everybody excited? Everybody excited today? Somebody better love me. I'm just saying. Let me find my preaching in here. I, I'm truly excited today. I'm so glad to see all of our visitors and we thank you for coming out today. Here we go. <clears throat> we thank you for coming out today. Come on, grab somebody's sin as we pray right now. Dear Heavenly Father, we just come into your presence, Father, and we ask you for your mercy to be upon this house, Father. We ask you as your presence has been here, Father, that it will continue to be here, God, and you would speak to each and every heart here. We came not just to celebrate, not just to shout and make noise to you, but to listen to your Holy Spirit, Father. We came not just to speak to you, but to let you speak to us, God. So right now, we ask that you would turn our hearts open, Father, that you would just make us available. We make ourselves available to you, Father, that your word that proceeds from this pulpit, God, would just truly bless our lives. In the name of Jesus, we praise the church. Says amen. amen. If you could bring me down just a little bit, Manny, I have a little feedback up here. Uh, in this day that we celebrate the resurrection of the Christ, amen. Today is truly the greatest day in history. Somebody say, today is the greatest day in history. You believe it? Amen. Today, all of hell was defeated. Today marks the day that each and every one of you were liberated from the bondage of sin, from the debt of death. It was lifted from you today. It's not about an Easter bunny, not about no eggs. These things, although not sinful, are a watered-down version of what the world desires for us to believe. Today marks freedom. It's greater than Christmas, and it's holier than any other day in history. And I want to speak to you today from the book of Matthew, the 27th chapter, verses 45 to 50, five verses, and I want to read five other verses. I'm going to go right into this message. And I'm really excited today. I hope you're excited. Matthew 27, 45, and, and I'll be out of your way in 20 minutes. And it says this, from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they declared, he's calling Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and got a sponge and he filled it with wine and vinegar. Put it on a stick and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. If we skip down to 28, Matthew 28 verses 1 through 6. And after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. And there was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance, speaking of this angel, was like a lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he had said. Come and see the place 
where he lay. I want to talk to you today. Is anybody, everybody ready? On a subject matter entitled Beauty and the Beast. I want to talk to you today about this ever familiar story, Beauty and the Beast. And some of you might think I'm a little crazy today, but that's all right. I preached on Transformers, I preached on X-Men, I preached on game shows. I'm going to preach Beauty and the Beast today. I might preach Aladdin next week for the heck of it. Just want to throw that out there, you know. Can we talk about Beauty and the Beast? Beauty and the Beast, the story of this prince who was not so coincidentally named Adam. This very handsome man who had everything. He was rich, he was famous, he had good looks, probably something like me. And uh, haters in the house. Thank you, baby. And, and he met this old lady in the woods one day, and the story goes he treated her badly, and she cursed him. She cursed him with a curse that made him look on the outside as to what he was on the inside. You with me? He looked on the outside now as he was really on the inside. He was an ugly, beastly person. And, and one day, he, he found this man trespassing on his property, and he imprisoned him. And then the story goes that this man's daughter, who was a beauty, her name was Belle. She came and switched places with her father and paid the price that he was supposed to pay. The story, if you think about it, is not too far off from the story of Christ. I know you might look at me and say, Pastor's off his rocker preaching Beauty and the Beast on Easter Sunday. But is it really that far off? You have this man named Adam that God created in this perfect kingdom named Edom. He has everything he needs. He has nothing lacking in his life. And, and because of his actions, he sinned. He sinned and then the ugliness on the inside came out and showed on the outside. And I think you can understand that sometimes during the week, you're a real beastly person. You're a savage with your mouth. You talk about people, you gossip about them, you mimic people, you ridicule, you curse, you swear. We live all types of lifestyles. I don't get so quiet on me now. I wish somebody would just be honest and say, oh, I'm not perfect. I'm the outside Oh, we put on the facade that everything's put together, but we're smoking, we're drinking, we're, as they say in church, shouting and shacking, praising God on Sundays, laying on the bed. I'll leave that alone. But I'm just saying, you have all these types of different lifestyles, and in reality, you're a beast. And this beauty named Jesus was born of a virgin, and he came for one reason. Are you ready? He came just for one reason, and that was for beauty to become the beast for me, for you. We're truly beastly in every sense of the word. We were so sinful that God could not embrace us due to our sin. He could not keep us because of our filthiness. So God desired to reconcile you to him. Do you know what that means? Do you understand the story of salvation? Do you truly comprehend that why did Jesus come? It blew my mind this week to think one thing, and I, it, it amazes me. The only reason God gave his only son was because the thought of spending eternity without me was too much to bear. I'll say that again for you. 
I'll say that again if you're ready for this. It amazes me the only reason God gave his son to die for us was because the thought of spending eternity without you was too much for him to bear. The thought of him not having you next to him was too much to bear. The thought of him knowing you were suffering in eternity in hell was too much for him to bear. And so he decided to send his son. Today we pick up our tale of beauty and the beast according to the story of Jesus in Matthew, the 27th chapter. Understand that by this time in Jesus' life, he's been beaten and battered. He's gone through three intense assaults at the hands of the Roman guards. He was whipped to within an inch of his life and for what? To save me. To save you. To the person next to you. It was for you. This beauty was being beaten, this perfect specimen of manhood, this proverbial second Adam, because the first Adam fell, Jesus came so that he would not fall. He was tempted, but he did not sin. He was tempted, but he did not give in as we do. And so he stood before God as a, as a proverbial second Adam, so that he might reconcile us to God. And he did it all just for me for far too long many of us said i wish you would be honest right now have looked at the crucifixion so nonchalantly we've overlooked the depth of the fact that someone gave their life that we would not have to die and yet so many still choose death on a daily basis i felt in my heart this week what god did for me i took so much time to reflect on the sacrifice that was made for me I took time to reflect how Jesus suffered. I took time to reflect of how he was beaten at the hands of people. And I took time to see how this beauty Jesus was becoming a beast for me. He was taking on the ugliness of this world. He was tormented, persecuted for things that he never did, that haven't even been done, but that I would do. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah declared concerning Jesus in Isaiah 53, verses 1 through 5. He said, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Now speaking of Jesus, he says this. For he grew up before him like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract him to us. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows, familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, and yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, our sins, and he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his stripes we are made whole Jesus endured all this just for me he took my sorrows he took my sins he took my sickness he took my pain did you read what that verse says and, and the punishment that brought me peace he paid the price for the punishment that when you have peace and you get into a bind, you say, God, I need your help right now. 
God, I just need you to speak to my heart. God, I need your peace. And that peace of God comes over you. It's only because he paid a price on Calvary. It's only because he did something for you that you could not do for yourself. And the Bible declares that while you were yet a still a sinner, Christ died for you. While we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible and the Psalms declares that God is so great, so big. It describes him as a star-breathing God. And on this day, in Matthew 27, in the chapter, I find it so ironic that as, as the psalmist David wrote of God, he, he said, this God is so grand and so marvelous, he's a star-breather. From the very breath of his mouth came the, the entire universe and the foundations of the earth. And I find it humbling to think this star-breathing God became a sin-bearer for me, for you. I find it amazing to think of what he did for me. So many times we think the cross symbolizes God drawing near to us, but rather, look at what Jesus said in, in verse 45 of Matthew 27. He declared, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Could you imagine how Jesus felt? His very own father turned his back on him. Have you ever felt like God wasn't with you? Ever felt like you called out to God and he didn't hear you? Ever felt like you were just in a moment where, where there was no hope? Oh, but yet we feel that way, but the reality is Jesus was in that predicament. He was so full of sin. He was so covered and so disgusting. His very father had to walk away from him. His very father, God on heaven, on the throne, had to turn his back. And he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? But do you understand that he was forsaken so that you would not be? Do you understand that? You're saying amen, but do you really get this? That, that when beauty became the beast, he was doing it for you, for me. The sinless one took on the face of a sinner so that I, the sinner, could take on the face of a saint. He did it so that we could have life. He came to set us free from the penalty of death. And I believe the greatest part of this story is in verse 50 in the 27th chapter of Matthew and declares this. And when Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. You might just read that and be like, oh, he gave up his spirit. No, no, no. You have to understand the depth and how profound this is that no one took his life. No one could take it. He would have hung on that cross all day long and never have died because he was so perfect. But yet when he shouted to God, and he gave up his spirit for you and for me. He chose to die. He chose the nails. The Bible declares he died for the joy that was set before him. He gave up his spirit. I can only imagine Jesus on the cross looking at the soldiers as they, they began to nail him into this cross. And I, as I heard an author say it, but I believe with all my heart that if they had hesitated for one second, Jesus would have drove those nails in himself. He chose them. No one took his life. He gave his life. I can only imagine, I, you need to understand the complexity of this situation. I, I, I wonder what the state of heaven was like when Jesus was being marched up to Calvary. Millions of angels saying, Father, say the word and we'll save him. 
Here you have this, this master creator of the universe who, who split the Red Sea with a wave of his hand, crafted the earth with just his voice, calmed the seas with a whisper. He raised the dead by just saying the word. He made the lame man walk, the mute man speak, and he yet those were the very same hands that were nailed on a cross on Calvary for you and for me. Do you understand this? He laid aside his majesty. As the songwriter said, he gave up everything for me and he suffered at the hands of those he had created. He gave up everything. This was God in the flesh. And yet he laid down his life. Hebrews 12 verses 1 and 2 says, uh, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, for who the joy that was set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. When you begin to question your life, and, and no doubt that you will leave here today, and many of you will face some of the toughest stuff life can throw at you, you will face the peer pressure of the world, the brokenness of this world. The Apostle Paul says, just fix your eyes on Jesus. Set your eyes on the cross. When you feel like if God's not there, just set your eye on the cross. For the Bible says that he endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. There's no joy in death. But the joy he saw was I believe with all my heart that when he closed his eyes, he saw me. He saw you. When he closed his eyes and, and he was on that cross, hanging there, bleeding, beaten, battered, that I passed through his mind. And he said, if I got to do this for Pastor. I, I got to do it for Mike and for Lisa and for Rose and for Carlos and for Yvonne and for Jessica and for Ricky. I got to do it for Ada. I got to do it for Cassie, for Naomi. I got to do it for Kimora. Put your name there. Put your face there. If it was just for you, he still would have done it. Psalm 71, 8 says, Just as each day brims with your beauty, my mouth brims with praise. I'm reading from the message translation. Psalms 105 says this, For God is sheer beauty, all generous in love, loyal, always and ever. Psalms 23, 6 says, Your beauty and your love chase after me every day of my life, God. I am back home, the house of God, for the rest of my life. God's beauty, God's love chases you. The psalm and the Bible are littered with scriptures talking about the beauty of God. But there was no beauty on that cross. There was nothing. He was the son of a carpenter. This God in the flesh took it all on himself. That's love. Many times we struggle in this world looking for love. I wish you would be honest for just a second and say, you've looked in all the wrong places for love. You've looked to friends. You've looked to relationships. You've looked to, to activities to find new friends, to find love. You've lowered your standards to find true love. You've raised them too high sometimes. You've lived a, a, a life full of searching for love. I wish you would understand the greatest quest of man is to find love. But the Bible says in the book of John, the 15th chapter, the 13th verse, greater love has no man than he would lay down his life. For his friends. And the Bible tells me in the book of Psalms, I am a friend of God. 
Greater love has no man than to lay down his life for his friends. If you're looking for love in all the wrong places, look no further. If you've been feeling God tugging at you, talking to you, look no further. The love of Christ is right here for you. He humbled himself. As in the story of Beauty and the Beast, Belle took the place of her father. Likewise, Jesus took our place. Where do you think they get these stories from? Belle took the place of her father and, and, and she gave her life for something he did. I understand today that Jesus chose to die. No one killed him. He laid down his life. Nails didn't hold him on that cross. I challenge you that it was love. He did it for you and for me. He chose the nails. Philippians 2, 8 and 11 says this, And being found in appearance, speaking of Jesus as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore God exalted him to the highest place. He gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You know what shocks me? What really just gets me? All this for me? Think about that. All this just for you. Just for me. How many of you know how, how, how bad of a person you can be? All right, Ada. <laughs> She's like, oh, yeah. How many of you know that you can be one of the worst out there? How many of you know that maybe you're not the worst, but you're pretty bad sometimes? Maybe, maybe you just have that road rage issue and it comes out. I do. Uh-huh. You know what the worst thing is? People who have road rage don't have cars. But I have a serious case of road rage. Don't cut me off. Don't nothing because it's not going to be Pastor in the car. It's going to be Felipe. And uh, he's not always safe. No, I'm just kidding. But how many of you know it just takes something like that to flip your switch? And sometimes your, your switch is always flipped. And you flip it before you come to church. Oh, I got to go to church. Put my Christian face on. I intend on it. <laughs> How many of you know I'm talking about you? Just, and knowing all this about me, he still did it. That's amazing. It's unexplainable to me. I know I'm wretched, sometimes downright evil. I'm sinful. Aren't we all? We're all mean. We're angry at times. We're downright hurtful and disgusting to each other. Some of us kill, if not with our words. We still... We murder with our words. We hurt our fellow man. And just for me, he would do this. He gave up his spirit. Verse 5 of the 28th chapter. Jesus, or rather the angel, is speaking to Mary Magdalene and Mary and telling him, Jesus is not here. And I thought about this and I thought how profound it was that these two women were looking for a living thing amongst dead things. And I would challenge you that many of us in our life, we're searching for life in dead places. We're searching for fulfillment in our actions. And, and we, if we have not God, as, as our spiritual father, Pastor Philip, told me, he said, there is a God-shaped void in your heart 
that nothing can fill. Nothing can fill it. It's in the shape of God and only he can fill it. And as we live our life, and I remember when I was young, I used to try and fill it by, by getting high. And I thought it was the coolest thing. And I wanted to do it every day. And I wanted to drink and go out and this and that. And, and God got me back so quick. And I was just like, I, I can't find fulfillment in this world. I can't find fulfillment in a couple of drinks. I can't find fulfillment in someone's bed. I can't find fulfillment only at the cross, only at the altar, only in communion with God. I realized that God had to get me soon because at 22, he would call me to be a pastor. I realized this. But there's so many others around us who they're searching and searching and searching. Jesus was alive and they were looking for a dead thing. I would challenge you that so many times we act like they did. We search for life. In meaningless, dead places. We search for life in areas that will never, ever fulfill you. And the worst part is, we know it. How many times do we knowingly sin, knowingly run from God? We seek life in meaningless, remedial things of no eternal value. My father told me one thing when I was younger. He said, there's a high price to pay for low living. There's a high price to pay for low living. The world cannot offer you life. Today we have that choice. The greatest thing God ever gave you. It was not salvation. It was choice. Don't ever mistake that. Don't ever let nobody ever tell you different. The greatest thing he ever gave you was a choice to choose him. The greatest thing God ever did for us. He gave us a choice. Many times in life we complain over the lack of choice, how things seem unfair, how, how our jobs don't seem fear, our families don't seem fear. Why did God have me born into this family? Why did God miss it? Why, why, why? But this is one thing, when it comes to salvation, God gave you a choice. I want to close with this story. There was a man, and his name was Edwin Thomas. True story. I wouldn't lie. It's Sunday after all. There was a man named Edwin Thomas. He was a master of the stage. He was in the 1860s the greatest Shakespearean actor to ever hit the stage. He was a phenom. He performed, I believe it was Hamlet, 100 consecutive nights in a row. You know how hard that is? It's hard to preach every Sunday let alone perform a hundred nights in a row. This man, Edwin Thomas, was one of the most, he was the most famous actor of his time. Um, he had these two brothers named John and Junius. They were also actors, but neither would ever come to what he was. They would never reach that stardom to what he was. And they all three played that Shakespearean play called Julius Caesar. And his brother John played the part of Brutus. And if you know history, Brutus was the friend of Caesar who would come to murder him first. He would drive the first knife into his belly. And the famous line came where Caesar said, Ed too, Brutus. You too, Brutus. You're with these cheaters, these scoundrels. 
Those brothers didn't know how prophetic that play was when in 1865, John, the brother of Edwin Thomas, he would walk into Ford's theater and he made a choice to put a bullet in the back of Abraham Lincoln's head. His name was Edwin Thomas Booth. His brother was John Wilkes Booth. This completely messed up Edwin's life. And he retired. He gave up his life. He gave up everything. And he was just mortified at what his brother had done. He was living in shame because of a choice his brother made. Two sons. Both had a great upbringing. One made a good choice. One made a bad choice. It was a few years later when Edwin Thomas was in a New Jersey train station and he saw a young man fall into the tracks. And this young man could not get up on his own accord and Edwin, with the train oncoming, made no sacrifice greater, but he jumped down there and risked his life and pulled this young man to safety and they both got away. Now, this young man who he saved recognized him, but he didn't recognize the young man. A week later, he would receive a letter from the office of Ulysses S. Grant, who had come to be a president. He was the nation's top general at the time. And he said, I want to thank you, Mr. Edwin Thomas Booth, because you saved the life of Robert Todd Lincoln, the son of Abraham Lincoln. What, what are you saying, Pastor? Life is full of choices. The Bible's full of them. Cain and Abel. One chose God, one chose to murder. David and Saul, one chose to follow God, one chose to go his own way. Peter and Judas. Peter, he followed Jesus. Judas betrayed him and hung himself. My question to you today is, what is your real choice going to be? A choice for Christ and a choice to accept salvation. Or just to live a life where there's no purpose, no fulfillment, and death is around every corner. Come on, stand with me this early afternoon. Come on, with every head bowed, every eye closed. How amazing of a story. It almost seems drastic. But the word of God is full about people making choices. Sometimes we think that's so long ago, Pastor. And so I brought you to a story. It was recent in our own history of a choice. Today you have a choice. Amen. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. As we respect God's presence. You have a choice to be beauty or to be the beast. You have a choice to accept Christ. Or to continue living in a in the lifestyle that you're in. Today I'm truly in my own heart deciding I don't want to be that beast no more. I will accept the gift of the cross and I won't look back. I will strive towards that narrow gate that Jesus spoke of and realize that He did all this for me. I don't have to live sad, depressed, hurt, afraid, struggling, but I can have life. Today. I would challenge you who know that you can be a beast sometimes that Christ says today you can be a beauty.
Come on, with every head bowed and every eye closed, just out of respect. Come on, if that's you, I would ask you that you would just raise your hand and say, Pastor, I want you to pray with me. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. About 10, 15, 16, 17 hands up. Come on, and sing, Pastor, I want to be that beauty you spoke of, Pastor. I don't want to live a life where I'm unfulfilled, where I'm going over the motions of life, and I see people all around me. I've lost friends. I've done things. I've seen things. And, Pastor, I don't want to be that person no more. Come on, amen, amen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I see more hands going up. I see more hands going up. Come on, every head bowed. Don't, don't, don't embarrass nobody. Don't stare at nobody. Just, just talk to God right now. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I see you. I see you in the back there. Thank you. Come on, church. Let's help them out this, this afternoon. Repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I see what you did just for me. I see the sacrifice you made. I see the price you paid. I know you did it just for me. So right now, I want to accept you as my Lord and my Savior. I want to accept you into my heart to fill that void that only you can fill. I turn it all over. Every addiction, every hurt, every pain. And Father, when I leave this place, give me the strength to walk your way, to do what you want, and to stay away from temptation. Help me, Father, that I would not fall as I follow you. I give you everything that I have, my heart and my life, and I accept you as my Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, somebody say amen. Come on, give somebody around you a hug. Come on, somebody just say amen. Tell somebody you love them in this house today.